If you're like me, you might hear estate planning and go, ugh, gross. You might think to yourself, I'm not sure why I'd bother with that. Estate planning is only for the uber rich. Tallgrass begs to differ. Tallgrass founding attorneys Laurel and Riley think everyone should have an estate plan. They know estate planning seems untouchable to a lot of folks, like something you have to do inside a stuffy law firm of Stuffy McLawyer Pants Esquire. But I promise you, Tallgrass is nothing like that. For one, they work out of their home so their clients can feel at home. They obsess, because they're nerds, over making clients feel like they belong and are supposed to be there. Also, their kids might make an appearance. They will take time to answer all of your questions, even the uncomfortable ones. They will work relentlessly to make sure your plan is exactly what you need to feel secure and at peace. So if you've been putting off planning for what's going to happen after you've gone, it's time for you to give Tallgrass a call at 918-770-8940 and start your plan today. Or visit their website at tallgrassestateplanning.com and schedule a free initial consultation. For free! It's right there on the website. And of course, there's more, because this is a podcast ad. If you tell them you're a Pot for Good listener, they're going to take 25% off their service fees. Just tell them Pot for Good sent you. Stop thinking estate planning isn't for you and give Tallgrass a call today at 918-770-8940 or on their website, which I'm not going to read out to you again. It's in our show notes. Thank you, Tallgrass. Welcome to another episode of Pod for Good, a podcast where we learn from those doing good in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the world, why they care, what we can do, and most importantly, what you can do. Pod for Good is produced and edited by Rant and Productions and can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. If you enjoy what we do here, or even if you're just slightly tickled, please make sure to subscribe and share this episode on social media. I am your chief philanthropod and class clown for justice, numero uno, Jesse Ulrich. And I'm your vice admiral philanthropod and class clown for justice alpha. And today's episode is with Tim Landis, digital editor for Tulsa People and the host of the Tulsa Talks podcast. We talked to Tim about the current state of online journalism, the first person on Omaha Beach, and he previews some of his future guests and features. It's a really fun conversation. I hope you enjoyed the story about the first guy on Omaha Beach. It was fantastic. Enjoy. We are very excited to have Tim Landis, the digital editor for Tulsa People, on the podcast today. Tim, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be sitting here talking to you two. This is great. I, I always enjoy talking to other podcast hosts because it's always way more relaxing to not be the host and just be the guest on the thing because you're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. I'm not going to have to deal with this as soon as we're done, so we, <laughs> you can talk about anything. Jesse, that's me every show. I know. Listen, I know, Chris. <laughs> that, that is my gift to you every episode. But, so Tim, you are the digital editor for Tells People, as I literally just yeah. said. But, like, how does one even get into a position to be a digital editor for a new a news and culture weekly magazine? Yeah, the path I took was I went to college originally to be a dentist and then decided I didn't want to do that. And I had a professor, and this was at Rogers State in Claremore, where I grew up. He said, whatever you're doing, you should be writing. Go. And so I went to OSU. I applied at the Ocali, the student newspaper there. Got a job in the sports department. Like within two weeks was assistant sports editor. This is when OSU went to the Final Four. When OSU, the Tony Allen, Joey Graham, the Eddie Sutton, Mm -hmm. it was when Gallagher Ibo was incredible. Did that. Anyway, graduated, had an internship at Tulsa World, graduated, worked at a golf magazine for a year when we hosted the PGA Championship here in Tulsa. And then I switched to PR. I decided I was getting out of journalism. Went and did PR for a decade at Cherokee Nation Businesses. So by doing that, I had to do social media because that's when social media came into play around 2010. So I learned all those aspects of it from that side. Fast forward five years, I start freelance journalism again. I started missing it. Like I could just see where the world was going in terms of journalism, and I just felt like I could contribute something. So I started writing again. So write for Tulsa People. They asked me to write about music. Because I was going to concerts like every week at Kane's Ballroom or wherever. They asked me to write about music, did that, and then they asked me to profile G.T. Bynum as he's coming into office as mayor. 
So big jump. That's the cover story. So now I'm hooked back into it. And then I quit my job at Cherokee Nation Businesses and go into freelance journalism and just started grinding it out. And then a year before the pandemic hits, I have a meeting with Jim Langdon and editor Ann Brockman. And they say, do you want to come in and run the digital side of Tulsa People? It's basically digital sandbox. You can do whatever you want with it. All you have to do is make sure the magazine's uploaded every month and then let's play. We had the podcast already going and I was interested in the podcast part of it. And so, yeah, jumped in. And so now I was running the social media accounts. I'm doing a podcast. I'm running the website. And I co-created a newsroom at Cherokee Nation Businesses for Cherokee Nation News. So I was bringing that in too. So all of a sudden I'm doing all those things, feature writing and doing photography and being a journalist in 2022, you have to do all these things. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, when you ask that, I mean, that's the fast road to get there, but it, that's how I got to where that is. I started using all these tools along the way and just, yeah. What is your least favorite social media platform? Like which one do you, like you do because it's work, but you don't actually enjoy doing it? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I mean, I barely use my own. I am the worst self-promoter of my own stuff I, because I just get tired of doing it. Oh, and there's my dog barking. <laughs> on cue. Um, yeah. The dog's like, what about pictures of me on Instagram? People love those. <laughs> yeah. I, I know it. Chris, you had a question. Yeah. I, I mean, just from an outsider's interpretation of reporters, it seems like most reporters tend to somewhat specialized. They're either a sports writer or arts and entertainment or politics or whatever. But it seems like you actively do not specialize, that you just <laughs> write about whatever. Yeah. Is that intentional or is that just the, the <laughs> yes. what's come to you? No. A little bit of both. It's I'm genuinely interested in so many things. I'm naturally a curious person. And I like how Chris's question was like, Quasi-insulting, but not really, because you're like, <laughs> normally a journalist like, specializes because they spend time yeah. researching a thing, and you're like, I'm just curious, so I, re I do everything, which <laughs> is why Chris and I do this. Mm -hmm. We are naturally curious people. I love, if someone's telling me something that someone else finds incredibly boring, but it's new to me, I am interested in it. Like, it's new information. I like new things. And I'll say two things. One, journalism has changed so much that beats are gone. It used to be that when at the Tulsa World, you'd have an education reporter you would have a politics writer, you would have a local government writer, you would have a business, financial, all of these categories broken down. Now it's everybody writes about everything pretty much. But for me, I mean, uh, a lot of the features I do spend, I spent six months working on the cold case task force story with the sheriff's office. So I'm doing that on top of everything else, all those daily things I was talking about. I weave that into things. I spend a lot of time on those features. When I wrote about a childhood friend of mine who went to war in Afghanistan and Iraq post 9-11 and came home and we just talked about his PTSD and everything. I have been researching war and military history my entire life. And so I am reading up current on what was going on in Afghanistan and Iraq. That article is just me showcasing some of what my interests are and finally putting those into journalism. But it just depends. I have a monthly series like right now in the magazine that's a coffee with and it's just People I have admired, I've met along the way so far in the first five years that so are doing great things in Tulsa, or I'm just genuinely interested because I think they are smart people and I want to pick their brains. So it gives me mm -hmm. an opportunity to sit there and have a conversation with them and learn more about them and build a relationship. And the thing I've learned along the way is you never know where journalism is going to take you. When you meet someone and do their story, I wrote about the Port of Catoosa and did a big feature on the Port of Catoosa. One of the people at one of the companies there emailed me and told me about an LGBTQ Christmas party that happens at the Mayo and wanted a story out of that. So out of a story on infrastructure and economics and all this, I get a social piece that can talk about the cultural changes in Tulsa. So you never know mm -hmm. these stories. So that's kind of why these jump. It's because I listen to people when they you know, reach out to me and say, hey, do you want to do a story on this? Yeah, sure. I get to <laughs> learn something new. Yeah. It's a reminder that we're all more complicated than we appear. Right? Right, all of our right. lives are more complicated. Um, <laughs> yeah. our, our, our brains don't want it to be complicated because it's hard to classify, but they are. And <laughs> mm -hmm. that's good. So Yeah. And like Jesse yeah. said, I mean, a lot of times we use this podcast as an excuse to talk to people or learn about things that we wanted to learn about. Yeah. And yeah. it gives us a format to, to actually do that. And 
it's nice that other people listen to it as well. But sometimes mm -hmm. some of these podcasts are really about Jesse and I learning something new. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah, this is much easier. It's much easier to get someone to say yes to coming on a podcast than like having coffee with two strangers they don't know. So, which uh, coffee with two strangers? Great podcast name, trademarked already, listeners. So, there you go. Uh, it's the next step. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I mean, that's what the one of the goals of of this podcast was originally to help share the message and attention and knowledge about people who maybe Chris and I knew or maybe we didn't, but getting that information out there because maybe they're too busy doing a good thing to you know market themselves we can do that for them even though i am also not great at the social media because i don't know i'm tired there's too many of them and i don't understand how some of them work anymore so yeah and i will and i will say it's weird for me because when i started doing journalism all we did was put the story on a website and we printed a newspaper still every day but we put it on a website and that was it there was no facebook for the public there was no links to share anywhere yeah so you just relied on people going to the website to read the story. So I've watched the whole evolution of it. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I remember at a past job when we were building a website and the the firm that we hired to redesign it was like, listen, everyone's going to be coming to your website from a link on Twitter or Facebook or an email or whatever. Mm -hmm. And to to show them all you offer, you have to turn every page into a homepage. Meaning even if they're going to a specific article, it's about a specific thing, you need a way to show them all the other stuff on the website because that might be the only time you get them on your physical site. And I'm like, that's genius and exhausting at the same time. <laughs> so, but. Yeah, uh, not to jump right into Pod for Sad, which we do sometimes, but. It's true. I mean, yeah. We couldn't have a reporter on and not talk a little bit about the fact that in some ways, the journalism profession has been a little under the, under attack for the last few years, maybe longer. But I mean, I'm just curious how how you have felt that and how you try to push back and continue to do good in your profession. Yeah, the attack on media is deserved. I mean, it's happened. The industry did it to itself. I mean, and it's it started with the explosion of cable news. I mean, when it went to commentary and entertainment with the under the guise of news is when things really took a turn. But from there, it's just the 24 hour news network, clickbait headlines, everything trying to figure out how to survive in this age. Like the golden egg and million dollar question all of journalism is how can you survive in a digital world? when advertising costs, what, a thousandth of what it would in a full-page ad in a newspaper? I mean, just the difference is there. There's just how do you make money in this world? And that's something that you have to figure out. And so there's a lot of media out there that are corporate-run, that are desperate. And the flip side of that is, in my opinion, is they're going to keep doing that stuff and keep doing it as long as people are paying attention to it or want more of it. So you've got to figure out how to get them to switch off of that. In terms of what we do, it's just, you know, how do I combat that? I mean, I got back into this game and I saw it under fire and being attacked because I believe in it. And part of it for me is I'm a history nerd. Like, I love American and world history. I just study it, read it all of the time. So for me, I kind of view it as I'm the first historian in the line because I'm writing stuff now that people will hopefully use to research later. And I saw it instantly with Scott Ellsworth and his new book that he wrote on the Tulsa Race Massacre. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm in the source notes from stuff I did. And so I've wow. contributed to American history and Tulsa history, Oklahoma history and all that. So just from my work, I recognize that. And that's part of my goal is I'm looking for stories because I was researching stuff on policing, the history of Tulsa policing and couldn't find a lot of things. And so that was one of the reasons I sat down and wrote about community policing and just wrote an overview of what the police department was trying to do three years ago was to show it because I realized that maybe 20 years from now, when someone's trying to research the history of policing in Oklahoma, this article will be something they can use as a source. So that's part of why I'm doing what I do that. And I just, I still see the power of journalism in shedding light on things that are going wrong and just try to stop corruption and all that stuff. I believe in it. Mm -hmm. And there is still a lot of good journalism out there. Yeah. And, the, and part the, of, go. I was just going to kind of, that goes into that, there is a lot of good journalism out there, and a lot of it now is behind the, the dreaded paywall, if you will, that a lot of the way some digital newspapers are trying to keep afloat is by having using subscription and stuff like that. 
And unfortunately, a lot of the more clickbait stuff is free to get to. So people end up going to some of those type websites rather than more quality ones that are trying to, like you are, practice real quality journalism. And so people end up with these sort of skewed views of reality because of that. Yeah, we are very fortunate that we don't have paywalls on our website. I am very thankful for that. We are able to... Yeah, for example, you don't have to take a Google survey to read uh, an article (laughs) on uh, on a paper who we will not name. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it goes back to how do you survive? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we expect we pay for everything else we read most of the time. I mean, we were raised on that. I bought magazines at the newsstand. I bought the newspaper at the newsstand. I was okay with paying them for that, but we got this weird mentality, and it's because media didn't know what they were doing 20 years ago with the web, and no one did. And Mm -hmm. they started out as free. You can read it online for free because it was a niche thing. Mm -hmm. And then people anticipated that, and word of mouth got out, and then all of a sudden, all of us have to start trying to survive off that. So. It's, I'm not going to knock it because I understand it as someone that if I was ever working for someone that had to do, that means they're trying to pay, I hope. I mean, it is a lot of corporate. We can get all that later. But I mean, the best thing ever I loved is when the Frontier was able to take down their paywall as a nonprofit journalism yeah. site that does incredibly mm. important work. I'm a huge fan of what they do. Initially, they had a paywall and then they were able to take it down. And I think that is really important. But yeah, the whole landscape of media is just, it's fascinating. But, you know, the more I read about history and stuff, 100 years ago, there was 8 to 10 newspapers in Tulsa, and every town had that. And then it shrunk down, and now I think we're seeing it kind of spread back out. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, Black Wall Street Times is doing a different type of journalism. It's mm-hmm. the digital age of journalism. You're seeing other uh, publications coming out, so... Who knows? I mean, it's just like everything else. We're learning as we go. <laughs> yeah. It's really upsetting that no one, if we had implemented sort of almost like the phone game model where you pay a little bit every once in a while. Yeah. If we had trained ourselves to do that with news early on, I think we would have been okay paying a couple of like cents for every article. Just linking mm-hmm. your debit card to the New York Times and every time you read an article, it subtracts 10 cents or whatever. If right. we had been trained on that, I think people mm-hmm. would have been more comfortable with it instead of the the dreaded paywall uh, system that we're stuck right. with now. So <laughs> that's always my issue because it's I don't know for whatever reason I find myself looking at it, clicking on an article and it's for the Des Moines Register. I'm never ever going to go there again. Yeah, right. But it wants me to pay get a monthly subscription. Yeah. If I could pay, I don't know, a small amount of money for yeah. that particular article. Okay, great. Let's have an easy solution to do that rather than having to yeah have a subscription to every news source you would want to read yeah yeah or using but, a weird vpn to read articles by paper. <laughs> like nerds are gonna figure it out internet good luck <laughs> but it i mean i do pay for some news services and i'm happy to like the one that just really gets me is like the atlantic because i i love reading it i do they write amazing things but i'm always just like i wish it was just slightly cheaper because it is a lot yeah. but they do really good like I, I understand that they give their journalists lots of time and freedom and research ability to write these amazing pieces. And so that's what I'm paying for. And like, I'm in a place where I can do that. Or I should say, my business can pay for that. But it's just like, I would, for a, a city-based magazine, it's hard. I was raised reading mag- magazines, but we had Newsweek, we had uh, US World Report, we had all the magazines in my house growing up, and now no one has magazines. I mean, I still... For some reason, I still get Wired delivered to my house. I'm not sure how, because I don't pay for it anymore. Someone's paying for it. But I'm really, I just want to read it online. But they send me these gorgeously produced magazines. I'm like, no, I have to read this, which is good. Yeah, Yeah, we still print issues and mail them out. We put them out. Our advertisers pay for that. And people missed it during the pandemic when we had to pull them from restaurants and Mm -hmm. all that. And that's when we really switched to a mail model, which has worked great. We mail out. 10, 20,000 copies every month across Tulsa. And then we get to do the online side of it. And there we were, we're doing like fresh content almost every day on our website and sharing it. So it's, we're having a lot of fun being able to, to share a lot of good news and be able to support a lot of local businesses 
and nonprofits. That's what I love about it is mm-hmm. we are doing journalism. Some people would view it as boring because we don't have mug shots or any of that stuff. <laughs> so because yeah. we feel that. And that's what that's kind of funny. When you look at our social media pages, we don't have all the arguments and fighting and all that stuff on our links. So it's just it's real quiet, but it's kind of nice. <laughs> it's it's very different than say watching the local evening news. Uh, yes. Situation, yeah. Which again, they're also trying to survive. I get it. Just, okay. I don't need to learn about another thing in my house that's going to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, well, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I we would don't like need to get into the, the corporate yeah. side of that either. Yeah. <laughs> How many of them are owned by such a few number of companies and why yeah. you see the same stories planted in every city of similar uh, yeah, size I, I across the country? I certainly do not want to name that company's name, but they're out <laughs> there. People can research it. They're mm-hmm. bad. But, like, the more you, I'm, the term clickbait, right, it is a modern internet term. But the idea behind it is much, much older. It's really mm-hmm. just like the catchy headline and the, catchy headlines, the yeah. yeah, this thing in your house is going to kill you thing, which there, there was an older term for it. I imagine it's something journalism. Uh, I don't want to guess wrong and it uh, come out to come out racist. Uh, I was going to say, you know, are we not, uh, is yeah. that an inappropriate term now? I honestly don't know. I, I don't. Well, the I, term, I was thinking of, I was thinking uh, of yellow the term journalism. Yellow that's ger- not, journalism. Yeah, yeah, that's, not that was... the, that's not the clickbait thing. That's just anti-Asian journalism. It wasn't. It was more about writing about any type of uh, sensationalization of tragedies and things like that. Uh, Yellow journalism. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I think it's, I think, I'm not going to, Say 100 percent. That's right. I think it's because it's like we're gonna add this part out. So I think it's like the yellow language. It's like having that obscene Mm -hmm. type of Mm. morally crazy. I don't know, but I think the other way, the traditional headline is if it bleeds, it leads. That was the old journalism saying. Murder goes headline. I mean, we still see that today. You talk about clickbait, like in TV news, murder leads. Mm-hmm. Again, like the majority of Americans didn't know what a podcast was until Serial launched, which was about a murder, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Like murder podcasts are the most popular ones. Yeah, which they is are. great for them. There's I even guess. a great show about a murder podcast. There is only murders <laughs> in the building, which yeah, is a great a, show. A fun great show. show. Yeah. My only note for that show is show them editing it. That's all I want. <laughs> Just a, a quick cutaway scene. Uh, because record it and then send it out there. We do work, yeah. people. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, isn't the Apple, there's an Apple TV show, too, where she solves, she's a podcaster who solves cold cases or something. Oh, jeez. It's like season uh, two. I mean, yeah. th- there was, a, there was a, a string there. King Kong versus Godzilla also had it, where there's just like, there's a lot of, like, making fun of podcasters out there, and it felt very oh, really personal. Um, yeah. I was like, listen, we're just, we're, <laughs> we're trying to make a living here. Like, I don't even yeah. mock us so much. So, I we've talked a lot about more generally journalism and some of the ills of the current landscape of it. But from talking to you, it sounds like a lot of what you got into was because you like stories and like telling stories. So what are some of your favorite stories that you've been able and and favorite people that you've been able to report on? Oh, man, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it really is because I have probably four or five stories, it feels like a month at least, and then the Mm -hmm. podcast conversations, and then doing photojournalism and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, I've met so many cool people. Now, like, one of the first stories I did were, it was a group of people in their 80s and 90s who still work full-time. And one of them at the time is, uh, she's still alive, Mary Helen Stanley. And she was the oldest funeral director in the state of Oklahoma, and she was the first woman licensed funeral director. But her husband died after she had two kids, and she remained single for the rest of her life. And she was still driving around. She was like 93 years old when I'm interviewing her, like four or five years ago. She's still driving around Tulsa, doing book reviews at senior living centers, and talking about all these people in there, and like how much healthier she is than them. And she's 93 years old, but then she tells me about watching the Mayo being built. (laughs) <laughs> and learning the Charleston and the like 1920s Tulsa because she was a child. So wow. being able to talk to her about all those things, I ended up talking to her for two hours and I really only need to talk to her for 15 minutes. But, you know, it's just some of these people, they're just so fascinating. I've spent time with veterans. I, Bill Parker is a guy who uh, believes he was the first person to step foot on Omaha Beach on D-Day. And he lives in Sepulpa. Wow. Well, he's a little short cowboy. He's five foot six. And when you talk to him, he said that he can visualize it. He visualizes it every night to this day. And this is 70 years later, 75 years later, whatever it is. And What does he visualize? That he looks back and he sees everybody else, he, but no one in yeah, front of him? That's exactly what he said. He said, you know how I know I was first? He said, there were no bodies in front of me, but when I looked back, I saw many. Wow. I'm just, like, 
that's in, that, that's incredible because like the odds of that person surviving are very low. Right. Know Mojave, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was like 18 years old. So he goes from there and marches from there all the way to Germany and meets the Russians. At one point, Eisenhower, who was a general at the time, offered him his boots <laughs> along the way because he'd worn his boots out and they were standing somewhere in France. He's Eisenhower's walking the line, stops and says, do you want my boots? <laughs> you know, and he's like and this. And then he comes home and never talks about this to anybody yep. again. Wow. Yeah. He was at his brother's funeral when he found out that his brother flew like a ton of combat missions in a B-17 over Germany doing all these bombing runs and had no clue until his brother had died. They never talked about it to each other? To nobody. He never, he, his <laughs> wife, he married right out of high school before he went and never talked to her until he decided to talk to Tim Stanley at the Tulsa World. And then I, he opened up about it just I three don't, years ago. Yeah. I don't get that. I mean, I would tell Chris everything. <laughs> if I had survived uh, D-Day and got boots from Dwight Eisenhower and then met the Russians in Berlin, like, I would have come home. I would have I written Chris love letters that would never have arrived. <laughs> and I would have told him everything once I got back. That's just crazy. Oh, man. First yeah, of all, no, I, I would have been there with you. And I, I would have, we would have been <laughs> nudging each other to see who could have been first. That's true. So that we could claim to be first. That's true. That is true. Uh, yeah, those guys, I've spent a lot of time with a lot of older veterans, and I've talked to a guy who was at Iwo Jima and shot down planes as they were doing kamikazes, but you know, near Midway and all that. Like, and he lived here. He came home and went up mm -hmm. working in American Airlines. And yeah. these guys just carried on with their lives, even though what they saw at 17, 18, yeah. 19 years old, it's just phenomenal to me. And we're losing them all. Yeah. And so that's been something very important to me is try to meet as many of them as I can and yeah. try to capture some of their story. And share it. It's just again it's, the American history yeah. part of it. It's it's yeah. it's so interesting because both soldiers, American soldiers and Holocaust survivors, didn't want to talk about it to yeah. people for a long time once they got back. And I understand it from both perspectives. I just especially the soldiers, like you feel like you'd want to share that with somebody just to get it off your chest. But So I, I have a friend who actually weirdly enough talked about this sort of topic not that long ago and they had gone to Iraq and obviously had seen a lot of stuff. And when they came back, the people who were their age had been in college going to parties mm -hmm. and stuff like that and couldn't relate to them. And so he couldn't talk to them about what he had seen and done other than with, I mean, he could with some of the other people who had gone yeah. through the same thing. But I mean, you got to think the guy probably came back. He was probably still in his younger 20s. Yeah, And most of the people around him, he either couldn't relate to or didn't know who to talk to. And so just didn't talk to anybody about it. Yeah, it's just weird. Like your brother, you knew he served. And you, you never mm -hmm. like, they never had a yeah. beer together or something and be like, so I, we never actually talked about it. Yeah, what did right. you do? I don't know. It's, mm -hmm. well, it's the, 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 there's, there's almost a British like stiff upper lipperness to that generation of people that we do not have because we right. are also primed to share our lives. Mm -hmm. With mm -hmm. other people, you know, yeah, for sure, the, the best yeah. version of our lives, I should say. Uh, well, and, you know, and, and going back historically, I mean, after the the flu epidemic of pandemic of nineteen eighteen, nobody talked about it. There's no mention of it really in popular culture. There were very few books written about. People mm -hmm. moved on; they put it behind them. I mean, you hear that from a lot of people after what happened here in Tulsa in nineteen twenty one. Part of it was it happened. Let's put it behind us, not talk about it. For better or worse, there was that group of people who did that. People did it coming out of the Depression. People did mm -hmm. it with the war. I mean, there was just this long period, and that, that's part of the mental health problem I think we yeah. have, is we can see the roots of it when you talk about generational trauma and all that stuff, mm -hmm. because you carry that stuff and you don't talk about it. I mean, we have a legacy of that. <laughs> I feel well, like literally like a month after the January 6th insurrection, they didn't want to talk about it anymore. I'm like, no, right, no, no, no. Again, we, yeah. we, don't get, mm -hmm. we don't get to skip past that. Yeah, I mean, at 9-11, we had to tell people, never forget. We had yeah, to make a statement, true, like, don't forget this. The two no. we, we remember are Pearl Harbor because it's a day that will live in infamy, so everyone wanted to tell you that line. Yeah, And then 9-11 because, I mean, we basically hashtagged before there was a hashtag it yeah. with never forget. Yeah. yeah. Oklahoma City didn't get a, didn't get a pre-hashtag, so no. we, we remember it, but the majority of Americans don't. Right. Yeah. The, 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 by the way, one of the strangest tangents I think we've ever gone on on Pod for Good was the, the, the collective memory <laughs> this is... of the greatest generation. Yeah. yeah. 
So welcome well to my brain. Everybody. Yeah, well, well done, everybody. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, that was fantastic. Okay, I'm gonna pivot here. I'm gonna pivot. Yes. Let's pivot. talk about Korea. No, I'm scared. so I noticed that you launched a sort of a, you like you have the Tells People podcast, Tells Talks, but you also have a mini series that you launched within that podcast yeah. called About Town. Can you tell us a little bit about like why? What made you want to do these mini episodes other than the fact that they're easier to do? <laughs> to be completely honest, I have very little to do with them. So that is something that Blakely and Morgan, our senior editor and our arts entertainment editor, got together and they had been talking about it. And this is something they wanted to do because it's just like a little peek inside the magazine and the yeah. production of it. With and It shares like a little tidbit because a lot of times when we talk to these people, we get to have a... Um, a 20 minute conversation with them and share two quotes. So this allows an opportunity to be able to share maybe like a little quick Q and a with someone about what they're watching on Netflix or whatever it is, where are they eating somewhere? Just little fun things to kind of humanize some of those people and show a little bit more personal side of them. But those are just little mini episodes for our editors to have some fun and kind of give a little behind the scenes, look at what we do and talk about some of the stuff we've got going on. So it fills the gap because we only do two episodes of this podcast or Tulsa Talks a month, the first and third Wednesday. So we could have a three week lull between those two episodes. So part of that is keeping it on the same channel is to have it pop up on people's feed every week now instead of every few weeks. All right, listen, I've had many ideas about how Chris and I could do things in between <laughs> our episodes. And I'm just like, I just, I don't, I can't. Right. I don't have the time. <laughs> I know. But it, no, it's nice. I mean, What's great, the great things about Tulsa is the fact that so many things are happening. There are so many people working mm -hmm. on certain things. There's really not an ever, there's no end to the content that can be produced about Tulsa. And that's, you know, one of the reasons I love that I'm back here. And theoretically, if this pandemic ever actually ends, even though it feels like I was, where was I yesterday? And I was like, I'm the only one wearing a mask in here. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> so, of course, I was also on a cruise ship for a week, not wearing a mask at all. The world's a strange place these days. <laughs> Yeah. Jesse, it's not going to end. It's just going to become an endemic. It's, yeah. It's unfortunate. It's we're living with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's we still spring. have the flu. We still have the 1918 flu, which was one of the yeah. mo most amazing things I learned during this whole thing. I'm like, wait a second. Our yearly it's flu shot same. is that flu? And, the, and I'm, we're like, yeah, I'm like, why are we just learning this now? <laughs> <laughs> this would have been great knowledge ahead of time for all of it's, us if we knew that. Uh, it's amazing what we learned along the way that we're like, why didn't we know this before? Oh, God. I think it's because what we were talking about, people didn't want right. to talk about no, this. No, yeah. that's true. I mean, I, I read a story about how I think it was San Francisco had a pandemic is over celebration parade in like 1919. And then everyone got sick from it. I'm just like, we've learned nothing as a society. I think it was, I, I want to say it was like Pittsburgh or something. Oh, you're Philly, yeah, I thought it was Philadelphia or something. But uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it, no, no matter where it happened, and we are just as dumb as they were. <laughs> so uh, the human race has not gotten any smarter in a hundred years, two years. <laughs> I, I will not go into my tangent about why it's called the Spanish flu. Our listeners know my little historical tidbit about that. But yes. So going in where we're in 2022, geez, what do you see like going forward with Telsa people and with your podcast? What does the next year look like? What happens when you start uh, being able to interview people in person again? What are you looking forward to? We kind of have started interviewing people and get, and then here's the deal. Like for me, I never stopped interviewing people in person, really. I mean, the podcast, yes, but I was doing a lot of stuff out in, you know, public and talking to people, outdoor environments, sitting on park benches and stuff. But for us, for the next year, I mean, we're just, we're, we work two or three months out on magazines, but we are planning out through pretty much, we've got our calendar filled for features for the rest of the year. And so we start building from there and then going back. I mean, being a monthly publication, we can only fit so much copy in the magazine. And then when we play the advertiser game, I mean, if we get a ton of advertising, then we can add more editorial pages. If we lose a few advertisers, when like Omicron hits, then we cut a few pages out of the magazine and those become online stories. So, I mean, you just, you play the game, but it, things are looking up and you look at what's going on in Tulsa. I mean, we have a ton of museums opening this year. It feels like every time you turn around, there's something open. We had discovery lab open by gathering place. We had the BMX headquarters and hall of fame open. We have the Bob Dylan center opening up in a couple months. We have the okay pop museum opening later this year. 
I mean, it's just everywhere you turn sure, to yeah. studios. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just doing tours now and doing their grand opening, and they've got their thing going on. And then, I mean, we could. I mean, it just keeps going, which is great. I mean, I'm happy that we're there. Uh, so, I mean, uh, so I, sh- I should shout out to my friend who is on the Tulsa People advertising staff. Rita, love you. If you ever listen to this, big fan. Yeah, she's got a hard job. Even the, really, the only time I ever see her advertisements are at like the Tulsa PAC shows. But anywho. Let's get into some like nitty gritty podcast stuff. Like Chris and I, like uh, my company produces podcasts and I care about the numbers of those, even though I also sec- secretly very much care about how many people listen to pod for good. Does tell some people are, th- is there a number that tells people wants your podcast to get to, or is it more just, this is another content piece to talk about the things tell some people is doing another entry point for, for readers, for listeners, for advertisers, et cetera. Here's the beautiful thing about my job. I think I might have the only job in journalism, digital editor journalism in America, where nobody cares about the numbers. Wow. You That's know? amazing. I mean, I mean, we, I say that. I mean, we do share numbers. We share analytics with any of our advertisers who want it. But there's no pressure on us. Because traditionally, the website was a repository for the magazine. It had a blog, and it started with the podcast. When I came on, we got a little bit more aggressive with it. Sort of, like I said, doing more original content. And then we do a lot more original content online now. A lot more photo galleries are going out and and doing those things. Now I don't even know where I'm going with that. No, what's funny is like I was like, that sounds like a good end, but it didn't sound like an end. Right. <laughs> like your voice didn't go down. No, it's fine. Like, listen, it's, it's a Tuesday after 5:30. We're all a little out of it. But <laughs> no, listen, that that is great because there's very few. Oh, yeah. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. No, no, right. no. With the podcast, uh, with the numbers. The thing I view is it, it's like with 60 Minutes. They don't care about the numbers. They just want to put quality stuff out there. And that's, I'm a nerd and love 60 Minutes, but that's kind of what I live by with this podcast. For me, it's just another opportunity, like you said, bring stories to life off the page. On some of them, we can go deeper with them and have more conversation there. Two, it just is. A great app, another opportunity for someone to stumble across it. And what I find is a lot of people who come through Tulsa Remote or other programs have said they've gotten to know Tulsa through the podcast. Oh, nice. From listening to it because they can scroll through and see all the different types of people. Because we try to do a variety of jobs and people that we talk to and industries and everything else to kind of give you an idea. And I mean, it, it serves that. But as far as the numbers go, we like to see the numbers go up, but we also recognize we're very niche. We are a Tulsa podcast talking to Tulsans. So in a podcast world, when you know people are giving up, or 11 million people out there are giving up three hours of their day to listen to Joe Rogan, how many other podcast people are out there? When you whittle it down, I know that there's going to be a few hundred listeners. But the crazy thing is it grows. They're very evergreen. I tried to keep the conversation somewhat evergreen so that over time people can go back and listen to it. And and they do. I mean, it's crazy to watch some of them gain five, six hundred listens over months, and you just don't expect it. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, depending on who our guests are, sometimes an episode will like re reappear in large numbers because <laughs> I mean, especially like our first Aaron Bosley Tulsa Remote interview. When people were googling Tulsa Remote, I I finally figured out people our podcast was coming up like very high in the Google search things, and so people were listening to oh, it, wow. and I was like, yay! But yeah, I tells people is very good at I feel like Google's a sweet spot, which is like lists, top ten lists yeah. of things. Like you guys you always have a good list of like places to have coffee, places to go eat, places to have fun. And that's mm-hmm. you now Google all my Google devices are now responding because I, I said Google. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, I mean You gotta I you gotta have a good yeah. SEO, the the search engine optimization. You yep. gotta be good yeah. at that. That's how no, that's true, how you yeah. get there. I'm I'm not good at it, but <laughs> You know, we, we, so, we can't be good uh, at Do you have any upcoming features or podcast yes. guests you'd like to throw out for us? Give us some previews, something you're excited about or you think that our listeners would be yeah. excited about. And if it helps, this episode will probably come out in April. You've got all of March <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to so, preview. Right. Um, man, what do I have coming? So with the podcast, we kind of, we wait until a couple of weeks before the next issue comes out to finalize our guests for that issue, because we look through the stories and find which one, maybe mm-hmm. one jumps out or we'll have someone that we just drop in. So I am really excited. I'm going to have fellow Cherokee chef, Nico Albert, and I'm not uh-huh. a chef, but she is. We're both, we're both Cherokees. I'm going to have her on the podcast coming Nico's up. Nico's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to sit down and have a conversation with her. I've met her one time in passing when she was working at duet 
And I we've had a lot of friends in circles. So I am just really excited. I think that will be a good conversation. I am for the Tulsa Press Club. I am going ready to host a series with the area chiefs. So Chief Standing Bear, Chief Hoskin and Chief Hill each month for media availability. I'll sit there, moderate it, talk to them for a minute, then open up to questions. But that's a big thing for me is educating on what all's going on in the tribal world in Oklahoma, because like I said, I spent 10 years working for Cherokee Nation, which is my tribe, and I worked for them, and a lot of it was spent promoting the Heritage Center, the museums, as those were all opening to tell the history of it, and I was learning it too. And like I said, being a history nerd, continuing to study, I'm reading And Still the Waters Run by Angie DeBow right now about the DOS Commission and everything else there, and the allotments. So I'm interested in those things. So I'm going to continue writing about some tribal stuff. I've got an interview coming up with Jen Lauren from Cherokee Nation Film Office. She's a former journalist who switched over to Cherokee Nation Businesses, launched the show. I always enjoy talking to her. So I have that interview coming up. In May, I'm writing about the PGA Championship coming to Tulsa. It was not supposed to be here until 2030, but because of the former president's antics, they took it away from him this year, moved it to Tulsa because we had the PGA senior PGA last year. So it's a huge opportunity for Tulsa because as we're opening up and everything, it's another great example to show off. People haven't been here in 14 years, 15 years since the last one. They're going to see a completely different Tulsa. And that's going to be fun for them to see. They're going to see a beautiful park. They're going to see all these museums we were just talking about earlier. All of our great restaurants. They're going to see things downtown. Right, yeah. (laughs) Things, people. (laughs) For the first time, right. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, what is this? There's concerts everywhere. Yeah, so many coffee shops. But yeah, but yeah, and then I'm going to be hopefully hitting up the native travel sites across the state this summer and stuff and writing about that later this year. There's a few features out there I'm chasing of people. We'll see if I get them. I always enjoy a good profile of someone but yeah we'll see where the year goes it's you never know i mean Mm -hmm. that's the crazy thing in the sound i never imagined i would get tear gassed like seven times in one night by tpd but i have now so you know just when when was that i'm guessing the the protests the protest 71st memorial when we had to walk from the corner of 71st memorial all the way past the olive garden the old macaroni grill whatever's that before we could clear the fog and open our eyes. So that's, they fumigated the block finally wow. at 1 a.m. But that was a wild week. I was there for almost every protest over that two-week period documenting it. So it's, hopefully we don't have anything like that this yeah. year. But. I, yeah, I remember that by the time the 71st Memorial one happened, I was like, this is getting insane. This is like, somebody, somebody's going to get gas soon. Because it was just like, it was, an, it was an escalation every time the protest ended up in a place. And mm-hmm. they'd already stopped people on the highway. And I was like, Good job there, but that's going to annoy people. And then, yeah, I was then, standing right by that when that guy drove. So I was uh, a big witness. That was surreal. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's there's so much to cover in this town and so much to do. I would never mm-hmm. imagine I'd be taking photos of Olympians in Tulsa at their new training facility, USA BMX. It's a national yeah. headquarters on the Olympic yeah. training site. So we now yeah. have Olympians in town. It's just, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, there are so many interesting stories out there. And I mean, you mentioned the tribes. I've really enjoyed seeing them more and more flex their political muscle now yeah. pushing to get tribe, yeah. tribe members registered to vote and use their political power, especially in a state that has very low voter turnout. So it's very mm-hmm. interesting to see what happens when we'll say somebody in power decides to piss off some sovereign nations yeah. that have more yeah. power than you think they do in yeah. the state if you yeah yeah because yeah, because uh, we're technically not in the state of oklahoma right now like we're uh right so yeah yeah i don't know where your house is located i'm technically I'm, on the muskogee reservation yeah mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'm by tu he's by cherry street so yeah okay uh, yeah you're both muskogee yeah, yeah. so yep. to our muskogee overlords bless you. <laughs> um Sterling yeah, Harjo thanks you. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's got, I mean, like that was I, that was a great profile I did. Our Tulsa of the Year. I got to write yeah, about yes. him and catch up with him. I talked to him He's before, awesome. right around the time he was right before he filmed the first season, and then to catch up with him during all of this was really something. I mean, that guy. Man, he is just as a, a creative genius. I mean, it's no joke. He's and mm-hmm. he's worked his butt off. You yeah, know, and, and he's done it locally. That's just been a beautiful yeah. thing, and. He's helping do some crazy things. That's the thing we haven't talked about, too, is the, the growing film industry here yeah, and the yeah. opportunities that are there. It's just, it's a good time to be in Tulsa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Too many I mean, transplants. It, 
it's it's still weird that Watchmen decided to not film the show here, even though it took place here. I'm like, we can film things here. We got plenty of space. So yeah, yeah. You know. Georgia I, I, was still yeah. cheaper at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean that I, might I'm, that might kicked it into the gear a little bit because yeah, everything ramped up after that. They're like, shoot, if they're going to film shows about Tulsa and not do it here, then what are we doing? Yeah, I, I hope just, that was sure. the conversation. Yeah, but I, don't I mean know. That, that was coming out of a state that. Probably wasn't watching Watchmen, so. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the way movies are filmed is crazy, because I, I worked in downtown Boston when they were filming the all-women's Ghostbusters in Boston, even though the movie takes place in New York City. Yeah. So outside my office building, they had to turn an empty area into a subway exit with a green screen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why not just have the movie take place in Boston? We've got ghosts. Like, <laughs> it, it seemed a lot of work, unnecessary work. Yeah. yeah, Sony probably had research that said New right, York sure. gets two more points than Boston. Yeah, so. <laughs> probably. Well, I can it's tell all you, about whatever yeah. the metrics say. For Listen, movies. you don't want to piss off Bostonians about anything. So we're like, fine, <laughs> we're not going to see this movie. So that's how Bostonians are, and I love it. All right, so Tim, I'm going to ask you the question Chris normally asks, just because I'm mixing it up. I'm, I'm fresh it. from vacation. How can, how can people follow you, both like your writing, your podcast, all your other work? Give us all your deets. Yeah, so again, I'm terrible at self-promotion. So I haven't updated my website in like two years. I need to I need to get on that. I did pay to renew it, so I need to do something with it. But there might be some blogs up there and some fiction maybe still playing around with some short stories every now and then. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. That's probably where I'm most active if you want to follow, see some of my pictures. I've got to do a better job at posting. I take hundreds of pictures of fun things all over Tulsa and never post them. So I need to get better at that. But it's just my name at Tim Landis, L-A-N-D-E-S-J-R on Instagram. That's the best place. Same account on Twitter, but I haven't tweeted or done anything since November on there on my personal account. So I might get back to it. I lurk every now and then, but Twitter just kind of lost me. I used to Mm -hmm. love it, but it's that's really it for me. I mean, I'm not on TikTok. I've never downloaded it. I don't want to play with it. I don't care. That's passed me by. I told our told everyone in the office, I said, if we can create a Tulsa People TikTok account, we should. Let's have some fun. You all go do it. If you want to play with it, just have at it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know? deleg- I'm delegating to you, younger people, <laughs> our TikTok channel. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and that, but that's really it. I just don't really, yeah, I don't spend this, I spend as little time on social media as I can. You're, but, but by the way, your website is uh, timlandisjr.com in case anyone yes, wants to check it out. That is. Copyright, mm-hmm. copyright 2018. So <laughs> there you go. Four years now since I changed there that, but it is renewed nice website, in life. So. Nice website. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. But hey, I, I, seriously, when I googled some... you, that was one of the first things that came up. It was a yeah. LinkedIn page, your uh, Tulsa people uh, like RSS feed page, and then your website. Yeah. So <laughs> nice. That's good. I need to. <laughs> I need to update that. You, uh, Chris, where did Tim Landis, the real estate person, show up? I, I don't remember. It was like list. Tim Landis appraiser or something yeah, like that. Appraiser. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember where that was. I don't know if you have a side funny. gig doing that, but or it's another Tim Landis. No, I don't. Yeah. There is another one though. My dad, but he's not the, an appraiser. He's down <laughs> yeah. in South Texas working okay. in the electric world. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, There's a there's another Tim Landis out there at some point who was a saxophonist. Ooh. So yeah, not me either. But yeah, a killer, <laughs> killer the, the, song. The, the, there's another Jesse Ultra has an IMDb page. I'm like, that's not me. I haven't been in films. So there are a lot films. of Chris Millers. <laughs> yeah, yes, a lot. Yeah, yeah, there are. Especially and one of them IMDb. is uh, does have an IMDb page. He, yeah, for sure. <laughs> he does good work. <laughs> so how? So you told us how to connect. So how can people support you? Support yes. Tulsa people and support local journalism. Yeah, just read the stories. Don't read the headlines. Click past it. We try to do our headlines as basic as possible and not be as clickbait, which is a little boring, but just part of the ethics and what we believe in and try to be as straightforward as possible. And it's not going to get a lot of catchy eyes sometimes, but just click our articles, read them, share them, because when you're reading them, you're learning about your community members, your friends, your friends' bosses, whoever it is. I mean, the, where you shop, you can learn about these people and how to support them. And it makes it, it makes them even better to go shop there when you learn about these people and why they believe in what they do. Yeah, just go there. Please share, listen to our podcast and share that. There's a lot of good conversations there. And then I'm always open. So my email is tim at langdonpublishing.com. And you can send me story ideas. If you have a podcast guest that you would like to hear me have a conversation with, just shoot me a message and let me know. I'm always interested in hearing that. And then we are always open to story ideas, 
contact us at Langdon Publishing as well, if that's easier to remember, I don't know. But you can send story ideas there, or if you know of someone doing something great in town, we'd love to highlight those. Awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. Tim, thank you so much for joining us yeah, thank on, you. on Pod for Good. Yeah. And you are welcome to write a feature on Chris and I anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you? Are you sure you want uh, a journalist of this caliber really deal, digging into your background, Jesse? I, I mean, I, I know there's some... I, some... I rescind that offer. <laughs> uh, do not write a feature on either one of us. You know what, though? Usually, like, I'm pretty good at making my podcast guests cry. I'm kind of, I was expecting that here. Pod for uh, good. I was like, man, they're going to get into some stuff here, but you guys left me off the hook here. Yeah. Um, we, we, we got into some weird stuff about World War II. You, you, you never know what you're going to get. But, well, it, but that's, that is something that people need to be researching and learning about. It's true. Because mm-hmm. history does repeat itself. That's but, right. Yes. We we don't have um, yeah. enough books or films about World War II, is what I'm getting out of this conversation. <laughs> Modern uh, movies about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. 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 They should remake Saving Private Ryan about that one guy in Sepulpa. Um, <laughs> well, oh, so, time out. Bill yeah. Parker did watch that movie, and he said that was his his squad at the beginning of the movie. The circle patch with the teardrop mm-hmm. on it, blue and wow. white. He was like, that was our group that they used for the movie. Of course, it doesn't say Parker on it. He was like, that was our group. And it shows them going in first. But he was like, when he saw the movie, he had no clue. And he only watched the movie like 10 years ago. So the movie was already 10 years old at that point. Wow. But yeah, crazy. I I cannot think of a more interesting and weird way to end this conversation. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Anytime. World War II talk with Tim over here. (laughs) All right. uh, A new podcast. Popular Strangers about World War II. New podcast. (laughs) There we go. Thank you, Tim. (laughs) Sounds great. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to our episode with Tim. Please make sure to check out his podcast, Tulsa Talks, as well as all the other things he does for Tulsa people, which is a lot. Please make sure to follow Pod for Good on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. I apologize for the lack of Pod for Good Instagrams. I'm going to do better, I promise. Uh, of course, please subscribe. And if you leave a review, we will read it on air. So you can really put anything there that Apple will let you. And I will read it aloud. So get on that, people who want to embarrass me and Chris. So as always, Broken Arrow, get your shit together. Get it done, Telsa. And be nice to each other out there. Bye.